I'm Tosh. I'm Mel. And welcome to another episode of Mahogany Mammology, Carefree Parenting of Black Motherhood. And we'll roll right into yeah, it. Yeah, let's talk about what it. So, of course, the current state of sheltering in place um, due to COVID-19 pandemic has forced the economic stability as weak and shaky as it is now, social, mental well-being, and educational tools for society, slaying explicit images, uh, racist rhetoric within the Zoom calls or within kid YouTube videos. This behavior of harassment may obviously with cyberbullying and mm-hmm. cybercrime on the rise. So today we'll discuss cyberbullying and cybercrimes during COVID-19 with our first return guest, Momologist. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Well, some of you, if you missed that episode, you can always go back into previous episodes. Um, Dr. Makai was our guest as she talked about GXA and their efforts and their services, not just in the deck. Check that out and we'll make sure to repost that link in our show notes as well. So welcome back again. Thank you, Mel. Thank you, Tosh. And I apologize for butchering your last name. I shouldn't have said McKay. Makai. I love my last name. I really do. And I want to, and kids want to get it right. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need no cyberbullying going on, in, on on this part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess cyberbullying kind of, you know, it's not new. I mean, there, I mean, I feel like it's COVID nineteen in terms of what's taking place. Or well, I'm, I'm going mean, to say, you know, listen, the, the the verdict is 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 yet to come in as far as cyberbullying and whether or not it's gotten worse. And um, we own an IT company, you know, we we not, I'm not going to say we actually monitor on behalf of our clients, but we still have to give a lot of advice to our clients in regards to um, how to use, you know, across all areas, areas of our lives, whether it be professionally or personally. But today we really want to talk about, you know, our children and something still going on is, is the numbers, you know, have they increased since all of our kids are at home? I would say cyberbullying is definitely alive and, and well. We, we know that because of what's going on with Zoom. A lot of has, has had to do a very quick pivot and how they are now allowing people to go into what is called waiting rooms before a Zoom chat begins. Because hacking was happening while we were, they were doing online instruction, which is pretty sad. Yeah. You know, these are, yeah. these are parents, these are kids, these are teachers, education for our children. And someone is, is with the wrong intentions are trying to go, go in and, and, and bomb these classes. When I say bomb, meaning, you know, uh, hack, hack the classes, uh, intentions. That's not how the tool was intended to use, you know, but however, everyone's had to pivot because of hacking. And I would expect because we are at home right now, um, kids have now been put into this situation in the last four weeks. That is, that is how our entire educational system is being carried out right now is through online training or either the other author quickly. So whether or not they're doing online training or either doing print material, um, and I would rather, I would say that in the suburbs of where I live at, uh, this thing, our, my son's school was up and online within 72 hours of, of, you know, basically going into the quarantine. So everyone's time online has increased dramatically. And so as parents, we now can happen and it's not dead, it's alive and well. I think everybody kind of had to be thrusted into it. As you mentioned, your son's school within 72 hours. Some other school districts, it was a hard adjustment 
that um, the, there is still like a big digital divide going on. Um, whereas we do have, while the while we do have great access to technology via smartphones, technology in the educational setting is still uh, lacking, especially in the home. And so I'm just wondering, like, um, how you know, what way, shape, or form to combat that um, to help, you know, how. And, and this is, you know, and I, I, I want to go back to, you know, some of the, the under underserved schools are, are impoverished schools are, are, are children and probably having the biggest adjustment right now. And as far as, because they, they may not have access to technology and, and think about it, if you don't have access to technology, you may not even have access to transportation. So if you didn't have access, education now has come to a complete halt. If your parent didn't have access to education to go get the material, then so there's a lot of underlying issues that are not being talked about uh, on the national news as far as kids when it comes to uh, education. And then as a parent, if you're sitting in a uh, a very affluent household or if uh, you know you have multiple, uh, share your devices. If you if you are in a position where you have four and five computers, and some parents do. Um, mm-hmm. sitting in their home, this is the time when you really need to reach out, may not, may or may not always talk to and make sure that everyone has access to that to technology. What we've done as an IT company is we've actually tried to give out computers to the community. Um, and these are just random people that, you know, we were giving out laptops. And so because at this particular time, those laptops are really, really needed by parents. Some parents, phones are a lot more prevalent in the home than laptops, so uh, most home access to a phone, but what child can stay on a phone for almost, you know, six hours or a day to do right. educational material? Very few. That, that's just not, yeah. yeah, that's, that's not, you know, if you have any extra technology, making sure that you, you, and I, I wouldn't even know where to start as far as where you're sitting at. In our situation, we're an IT company and we had clients that we could computers and then we were able to give them out to the community. And so, and we have access to social media to get that word out, but how, you know, I guess the key challenge would be if you don't have that type of access, how would you then be yeah. at, at, at a time such as this, you know, when everybody's in quarantine. And then when you even look at like the laptops that you've been provided, are you guys adding any type of additional security features that prevent any type of bullying or ways that it could be, I don't know, funnel like, oh, certain words that are being typed or pop. No, usually when you when you get a laptop, your laptop is going to come with the basics. Uh, Microsoft Office, where you're going to have Microsoft Word, PowerPoint. And that icon, you know, now opens you up to the World Wide Web. And you then now have access to every what everyone's household has access to internet. It's almost like, especially if you're a child, if once you get access to that, to an internet or, or the World Wide Web and you go out there, it's almost like leaving the house and going beyond your fences. And the technology company, no, we do not actually put any type of protective tools on any devices, which is the same as when you buy it in the store. There's not going to be any type of protective tools in a very basic firewall. That's it. A, a firewall is almost like a an, a, um, a, a, a wall that a, a allows intruders to who are trying to have a bare minimum. It's almost like a house alarm that is going to alert you that someone is trying to intrude inside your home. There's a window between you and that intruder. That's what a firewall is. But once you get the machine, if you are a parent, then it's up to you to add measures onto that particular machine in order to try to protect your child. You always kind of have to think of uh, internet or any type of computer device. You are the person, the person that owns that device is the person who has to put the protective measures on that based off of your own personal needs. 
Right, because I was thinking it's one thing to give the laptop, but you also need to have the network piece to it, which I think are two different elements to have. Now, I think within the Dallas area where they are providing mobile hotspots in impoverished areas, like a, a school bus legit serves as the mobile hotspot that can you're speaking of. Um, but you still kind of wonder what kind of security measures, like Mel is mentioning, you know, you can have. And, you know, how far and wide is this school bus, you know? Right. Usually when you're going into a public hotspot or a public it does not have any type of security measures. That is one of the one of the least unsecure areas that you can be at because information can be exchanged very easily inside of that particular internet. Like if you put in a pure bank and you're on a public hotspot, if there is a hacker that is interested in possibly obtaining your information, that information is being exchanged and you can that's that's occurring if you're on a public internet. An internet is almost like a highway. And what they're doing is that they're just opening the lanes up for you to get access to get on the road. That's it. You know, there's no stop signs. There's no yield sign. Enter here. There's no caution sign. They're just opening the highway. And what goes on on the highway is none of anybody's business. <laughs> Unless it's a picture. It is. Well, what about the Zoom? I mean, so what's the point of having the Zoom password besides keeping people out or putting them in waiting rooms? I mean, is that, I mean, can you, can you even I can you really be doing a side chat, if you will? Are those things available to whoever set up the meeting to be printed and looked at? Or what happens to that information? Zoom host has all control over whether or not the chat can be recorded, the video can be recorded, um, where um, basically meeting to be replayed again. The host has all of that control. So as a host, you can decide whether or not the video to be recorded. So if the teacher is hosting it, it is up to the teacher to decide whether or not they want that particular, um, you know, call or whatever they're doing with the child to be actually uh, recorded. And the reason why that is, is because once again, Zoom is using your highway. Whatever internet you have in your home is, is just, the internet is, like I said, it's just like a highway. Things are coming and going. And all to lock the doors. Because if you don't lock the door, then someone unintended may jump in your car that wasn't invited as a passenger. And now you got this uninvited passengers. And so how would that make you feel if you have an uninvited passenger? Yeah, in yeah, I ain't trying to let nobody in the car. Yeah, you, know? you don't want that happening to our kids. You don't want someone to jump in the car and now you have this uninvited guest. Because once the guest gets access to your child, that's when you're opening the door for things to happen beyond cyberbullying. Because what, what any time a child is online, the most important thing that you, as a parent, that you don't want to give a stranger to is access. And that's what happens if they're giving someone access. And so who would turn over their child to a stranger in a car? Not many of us would actually do that. So, so talk to us about what characteristics would we be seeing with the cyberbullying during our sheltering in place, our quarantine. And in this sense, that are at home right now, if you are working, you're busy, and your kids may be uh, in, sometimes in the same room or depending on their age, they're not in the same room. Um, so you may not have as much visibility assignments. So this is a time which also bullies are well aware that parents may not be as, as uh, cognizant of what their child is actually doing online doing their homework. So as parents, we do want to do what is called check-ins, you know, throughout the day. You want to drop in and see what they're doing, 
you know, stand behind them, just kind of walk up on your chair. You know, that's very important. Just do those periodically as you're working uh, throughout the day. And, and, and some parents may have gotten laid off, but their stress level may be higher and they may be under, uh, it's leaving the child, you know, with, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's situations, let me put, put it like that. There are different situations occurring in different households right now. So the parent do that, but you definitely want to pay attention to your child's behavior during this particular time. Is there a behavior altering? So bringing awareness, you know, you having awareness is something off about my child, especially when, when they were online and then they get offline and, you know, they just kind of throw it off and, and do a, a check in and see what websites have they been visiting, you know, just to kind of pop something, you know, so that unexpected check in, whether it be while they're online or when they get offline, you want to actually do that. As a parent, we have uh, we have a five year old, but we also have a twelve year old. So we have a parent, parental controls on our computers uh, that allows us to filter any traffic that my child tries to type in something that is uh, adult related curse words or something of that nature. That the uh, the actual system that we the filter we have on our home. Parents, this is a time when I would definitely encourage you to kind of step up. You know your home security measures. If you have that capacity to do that, there's multiple sites that you can actually miss. So this is a is something that you can purchase online and we put it on our whole entire house. So if there's social media that's going on, if there is, uh, you know, YouTube's so, or, or YouTube videos, it will block that from our home. It will block that instantly from your uh, from your home, from using it inside of your home. So you want to definitely be cognizant of the Internet. Is that helpful? It is. I have a follow-up question. So, you know, the teenagers have apps and things like that that can secretly hide conversations. We get around that or does the software you described do that as well? Yes, you can actually. The kids and the social media is a whole nother different ball. Kids to have access to social media. And if you do, you have to really try to think in terms of what can I actually do to monitor their social media usage. There is an app called, and this one is called MobiSip, and I'm going to see, and it has parental controls as well and can block phrases and filter things that are going on for social media. When you get a child a phone, uh, I would hop on, this is regardless of what age they are, if you are paying for that phone, mothers and fathers, please think about it. Just think about it. You know, this is just a suggestion. You know, don't have any privacy rights when they are under 18, in my opinion. But if, if you let them know, Dr. Mackay, let them know. think that whatever you're responsible for them, uh, then you want to definitely take into consideration getting maybe uh, another app is called Google app. A Google app, the parent can be notified. If oh, wait, wait, wait. Repeat that. Repeat that app one more time. What's that one again? G-O-G-O. This one's just called Google. That one is easy. Um, if the parent is adding friends that are outside of their age, that app will notify the parent that someone outside of their age is being added into that social media site. And so you definitely, that be SIP is another one. Um, for, your, for your home computer, you can use Safe Eyes Mobile. And that controls any type of questionable apps or any type of questionable sites inside of your home that you can put, use Cisco OpenDNS for our home. And that has different categories that you can actually block. Now, Microsoft also has, 
you can actually have your child put into uh, a kind of, of any internet activity every once a week that your child went to. So we do use that. So I, I get a report every Friday. So every YouTube channel, every website, my son clicks is these are all the websites that they actually visited. And there's I no mean, way for the kids to hack that? I mean, can they how would Everything in our house is password protected. So that my son cannot override the parental controls. I hope that that was, I mean, we're in the same situation right now as far as trying to monitor our children when it comes to the the internet and making sure that, number one, for cyber, for it to basically not occur or happen up under your roof, the first thing you want to do is prevent it. And so, and it can be prevented by you putting certain tools on your children's phones or to block certain language and people getting access to them. So prevention is your number one kind of safety net to keep cyberbullying from happening. You know, and then, of course, you want to talk to strangers on the Internet. Don't give out your address, your phone number, where you, you know, telling them about your siblings and things like that. You have to educate your child as far as Internet. If you don't talk to them or educate them, you're leaving the the devices uh, up to the child to, to, you know, to go beyond their own you know, basically, they're just not going to be able to wrong. And some of these children, you have to remember, their frontal lobe is not even developed. This is part of the brain. It hasn't even developed. The decision-making type of skills haven't even started to form in their brain yet. So, I don't, you know, I do that. Oh, this, this is common sense. This is not common sense for a, an, a child that is 11 or 12 years old because they're only using the tool. So I have a six-year-old who is obviously very savvy to the point where my husband joked where he tried to socially engineer him to get his... Explain to my child, just as you mentioned, so you mentioned like a, a 10, 11-year-old. How, you know, these kids are Yeah, yes, girl. You know... Well, for, for the younger ones, I have a five-year-old as well. Uh, and my daughter, I do not allow her on my iPad at all. So I got her an Amazon the Kindle for kids. So I, first of all, I, I, I took her away from any, you know, like computers, iPads, because that's too much for her. So now she has this, this particular device. She also tries to hack into my phone as well. She even tried to hack into my iPad where she put in the password attempt 10 times and then lock the device. <laughs> so yes, ever they can to get your password, uh, but it is up to you as a parent to keep those passwords safe and to know that, yes, they will. She was in a corner behind the couch trying to- They know what they do. She didn't get it on it though. She didn't, you know, from a family. She did not successfully achieve her goal. And it didn't even do my wipeout of my device and do my backup and put my stuff. So my stuff was gone. That was it for my iPad. I had to wait till I flew back to America because the internet was so, I couldn't even do a backup. So I was like, I'm just going to flew with this when I get home. So imagine being in a different country and your child has attempted to hack. This is how bad she wanted technology, has attempted to hack into my device and, and could not get it. No joke. I think it happened to my <laughs> husband's, either iPad or phone took it to the genius bar and the genius bar was just like, I literally get this every hour. These kids are very tech savvy and they will do whatever they can to get into your device. Just period, point blank. How, how often do you recommend changing passwords? I, I don't ever change my password for my iPhone. iPhone only. The reason why I don't do that is because of my son. 
Um, he's he's 12 and we don't have a home agency. Even the iPhone, I have the latest iPhone, but even the emergency is getting harder to find uh, within these iPhones. So I purposefully do not do not change my password so he can get an emergency. So I do that on purpose. On your devices, you know, your regular computer devices, every 90 days you should change your password. That's and, and really for anything that you have, I cannot keep up with changing my password across the board with everything every 90 days. Um, I probably have well over 150 accounts that I'm going in and out of uh, that we keep all, you know, basically we have what is called a password manager uh, that we pay for extra money to keep all our for all of our devices. But we consistently change up our passwords, especially for our laptop every 90 days. And I believe a lot of companies are following that same suit as well. Well, where it, can, it can be very tedious, but it's literally. Absolutely. And they've also started to really implement what is a strong password. You know, so even that extra element to it, too. You know what I mean? Like, tell you, OK, what is a strong password look like? They'll give you an example. You know, and um, they'll try to tell you like, OK, well, you have to if you whenever you create your new password, it needs to contain these characters as such where um, uh, where, you know, no one could figure it out. You know, almost even you if you forgot it. Want <laughs> a good password manager um, It's called LastPass, L-A-S-T pass, LastPass. It is a very highly sophisticated tool as a parent uh, that you can use. It is not sophisticated password manager vault. And it also gives you those strong suggested passwords. So you're not having to come up with a password every single time. Also, iCloud, um, if you have I suggested strong passwords, if you are saving your phone, your your passwords to your phone, if you have an Apple phone, that that now is an automatic feature that is in, that is everyone. Well, I'm, I'm not sure if everyone knows, but Apple devices are, are very supposed to be very secure, which I do believe they are, um, and as well as they take privacy very, very serious. So as a parent options, you have your your um, eye recognition, where now they're using your eyes to open the phone as a pad, you know, basically to get into a device. You just look I don't need nobody trying to cut my eyeball out. It's a device, and then you're in, uh, which is your eyes are very unique to you, uh, but that is how they're utilizing uh, passwords at this particular time. And then also Apple has these suggested strong passwords and they also devices as well. It is recommended that you don't necessarily use the vault in your phone because if someone gets a hold of your phone, now they have access to all of your passwords. That's why I'm recommending you to use a device which is access to your actual passwords. Now, Apple, you do, if you're backing up your phone appropriately, you can, uh, their tools are very sophisticated where you can actually um, the device and still have all of your backup material as long as you're paying for regular backups on your phone. That if you have, or, or if you're storing everything in the cloud, it's recommended that you should store everything in the cloud. If you have a Before we had um, started our episode, we were talking about like employers and employee relationships when it comes to returning items and employee records, like what you do via email and things like that. Do you mind kind of talking a little bit more about the, the cyberbullying, but do you mind touching more about that? So basically, before we started this, they're getting laid off and how people are actually responding to employers who are letting them go. Um, and so and I was sharing a personal experience where, you know, that we're, we're in 
has to return their equipment to us, but they don't, you know, they, when I made the request to return our equipment, they responded in a very negative manner. However, if you have, I do want to say this, if you have a situation where you feel like an employer has done you wrong, and and I know we're kind of segueing segueing, uh, another topic beyond cyberbullying, but I know that parents are also loaded at this particular time, and how you respond to that layoff or that furlough when it had, or if it happens to you, or if you're put in that particular situation, or someone has to let you go, or someone has to bring any time that you're going through a situation where an employer is letting you go, laying you off, uh, how you do not run to want to respond to them is by cursing them out. Because everything that you actually say, especially via going to be on record, an email is a record trail. And so if you have the employer's equipment, if you are let go or terminated, or if you happen to be in that situation, it is in your bed. Anytime you have or anything that goes on on a job, we keep what is called an uh, employee file. An employee file hosts any type of, you know, your, your basic information, address, type of write-ups that you have. And as an employer, we have, by, it is recommended or highly suggested that we keep, you know, all of these interactions with you on record. You keep, we keep them in your record. So if you have a write-up, if you have a layoff of a central location, or if there's an occurrence that happens when you're on the job, whether it be harassment or, or something that happens with a conflict, all those things go into a, your record personally. It is still there. By law, as an employer, we have to keep things on record for so many years. So if, and this has happened to me, and this is why I want to share this information. If anyone, such as a federal record, your employment employee record, I have to turn it over. And, and if you curse someone out via email or you said some really uh, unkind words via email, those items may reside in haunt you. And so, and we cannot miss, we basically cannot uh, mislead the federal government if they want your record. All we can do is turn over the facts in, in regards to how you responded to them. Are you eligible for rehire? And they will actually come in and interview your previous employer. So I've been interviewed several times by the federal government because people that used to work for me are trying to now get a government job to actually interview me. And they get and when they interview me, it's very grueling, very detailed. They want to know, you know, not only would you rehire this person, what are your recollections of what happened during this particular? And so here I am, you know, I didn't even know that, first of all, that I could be interviewed by the federal government for someone that left years ago, but you can. So that's why I always tell, I would, if you get laid off or you're let go or you're furloughed, do not respond in a manner which, which you don't want anything to be on record. Uh, you know, just tell your employer, thank you. Uh, and, and return all their equipment back to them is being recorded. And so I don't want you to get yourself in a situation where you may not be eligible for rehire. And if you're not eligible for rehire, we can give that information out to a future employer because we may not have the circumstances of what happened in that situation, but you definitely don't want to give, you don't want to give someone any reason to, to give any dirt on you or to say, no, that person's not eligible for rehire because you may be messing up your future and you don't even have any idea. So always tell your children when they record, keep your record as clean as possible. Those are forever documents. They don't go away. If you, if you get yourself in an entanglement, whether you rise, you know, very high in, in a, and before you know it, the media has it and they're smearing you. So you want to always make sure that you are acting in, in accordance to your best interests when dealing with an employer, even if the employer wronged you, find in a manner which is going to 
cancel your own future with someone else who had nothing to do with that situation. Does that help? Oh, very much so. I mean, I, I, I think you went into great detail. I appreciate it because I think not just being as an adult, but then making sure like, okay, letting your children know how best to be bestowed upon them if they are working right now. You know, that's a really good point. I also think it's best to implement that in social media as well. As far as, you know, keeping their names out of your timeline, you know, because that is the same of free speech. If you're posting something, maybe on Facebook or, you know, on any of the social media platforms. But, you know, I think as you're to your point in polls and things like that to um, kind of see the character that you are, if you are getting hired. Yes. And I would tell I would tell you by law, we're not supposed to go and look at the social media handles, but that, but does that mean that it is not hot using uh, information that's discovered online to make a determination or to make a decision? Because most of the time when you don't get a job, the, the standard response you're going to receive is, I'm sorry, you were not selected for that position. Not selected for that position because we saw you on your social media site last week getting high. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. That's just not going to, they're not going to, but also you have to take in mind, keep in mind that anytime you're working for an organization, your the personal and the private, I mean, the, the your, your personal life can impact that employer. Um, this happened in McKinney, Texas. There, there was a young lady who incited a fight with a teenager and the teenager got thrown down by the police officer and it went on the national young lady who incited the fight with the teenager. She was an, an adult woman. She worked for a major institution. That happened in her private life. Her employer let her go because they did not want to be associated with the woman who incited the fight with the teenager. They were calling her racist. They were, you know, saying she was a bully. Well, because she worked for this institution, they, they, that's not what they stand for. It's just an example of how your personal life can be infiltrated and all of a sudden your now employer has gotten involved in a situation that they didn't ask for. So... You know, so therefore, you it, it's almost like a double edge. So if you do get the job, it still doesn't. It's your what your behavior off work is not off limited. You may be a misrepresentation of that particular company and what they stand for and their own values, and they have the right Texas. If you are misrepresenting, you know their values, that may be in the best interest of their money because people will stop doing business. The fastest way people vote is with their dollars. So if people stop doing business because you're working there, I'm, I'm going to let you know now you're going to be let go because everybody. You make a very good point, especially, you know, looking at their social media profiles. People are calling out companies uh, in terms of, you know, because of what someone posts. So being, I guess, caught in private and who you're, who you're befriending as well, too, in those, in those settings. Yes, absolutely. And that's, and that's why we should really talk to our teenagers and our kids about um, awareness you have to educate if there's a situation where you do get caught into a cyberbullying situation you know circumstance because the truth is there are going to be kids that are going to have social media uh, communicate with each other um, and and right now since we're all under covid uh, the covid quarantine that is our main source of communicating even adults it's through social media you have to put measures around you know either by educating our kids on what is acceptable and what is not acceptable but always keep in mind Anytime you are in a situation and if the bully is you in any way, that's a 911 call. And so if you're online and someone threatens you to take your life, that is a 911. That is not a we're going to um, talk about awareness. 
So as a parent, we need to know how it's against the law. So first, I want to make sure I tell all the parents that it is against the law. Every school district in the state of Texas is required or they are supposed to that is enforceable. If the child is put into a situation where they are experiencing cyberbullying, the first step that the child should take is by being up for themselves, saying, stop, I don't like this, don't do this. And now that's, that's of course, if it's a non-threatening type of cyberbullying. Cyberbullying usually happens when someone is trying to empower you. And so if that is a situation where someone may have called you out of your name, that that may be a circumstance where the child now needs to stand up and say, I don't like that. Do not do that to me again. Distance themselves from that particular person. Cyberbullying is a little bit different from face-to-face bullying because cyberbullying, you can turn off the computer, period. And that's the computer, you can shut it down, you know, and that is a, a form of you are now turning a low in our home. And so you can't actually and that needs to be driven home more. That needs to be driven home more, I think, because I know I've seen so many stories where young girls who are, I don't want to say they're popular in school, but very active, what seems to be on the outside, has high self-esteem, check on them, and they've committed suicide, all because of cyberbullying. Right. And I, and, and I would say as a parent, there's something, um, you know, that's why I said bring it, making sure that you're aware that if, when your kids are not themselves. Because the question I would have, what signs of that child not being themselves before they got to suicide? If you find yourself in a situation where you think a prevention suicide hotline, you know, that line is alive and well. Uh, that's one thing that you can actually do. But that's why I said this, this topic of cyberbullying is so serious now as parents ignoring or not addressing it is something very horrible happening, such as suicide. It's, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking for the parent that had committed some, a harness act because of another child or an adult. That that's not even in your home that you didn't even know existed. That couldn't. That sometimes are are fictitious fictitious characters. We are also under the impression that it is a one to one situation. We are not also talking about the idea of doxing, which is, I think, you know, a form of cyberbullying to me. On you, you can talk about doxing and what that is in more detail. Um, where, you know, you can get a group of people and they, to your point, will literally find out information. So I think, whereas you're mentioning like, okay, well, cyberbullying, yeah, we can just close the computer. But now when you get into the idea of that, will expose that you go to Starbucks at nine o'clock every day. That becomes now um, technology meets real yeah. life. And I think that's that's also something to be made. Well, that goes to what uh, Dr. McKay is talking about when you're putting, being on this information highway, right? Like, so being online or having your, I guess, on your phone, like your location, being being out there or being allowed to be known. Yes, I, I mean, think it was one of the, um, one of the celebrities, one of the, I believe it was one of the Kardashians where she was doing so much live posting that someone, I, and I don't quote me on this, y'all, she was posting her location. And then they came and they broke in her house because they, she was posting so much about her life. Then her house got broken too. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that, the reality of social media now, because you can post wherever you're at. So even when I go on vacation, this is something that I do. This is a tip that I would give parents. I don't post any of my vacation pictures until I come back home. That, that's, just, that's just a rule that I have. Like Africa, 
you know, I'm in Africa for, you know, I'm definitely not about to post a picture that I am in Africa, uh, you know, on my social media site, which my social media app that goes into Google, but I do that because I'm a business owner. I want to be found. Does that make sense? But when some people are not business owners and they don't have to be found like that, but I don't post live vacation pictures. So what I'll do is, and then I'll post them, you know, I'll post like, oh, you know, I'll push out my posts of my pictures. Now there was one time that I did break this rule, y'all. When I was, <laughs> it got me. I, I put, I pushed the information when, when I got that picture with Oprah. That oh, went out. That went that's out, like, post-worthy immediately. It is Oprah. It's okay. She probably was posting already. <laughs> right. That picture already has its or, already security <laughs> on it. <laughs> and I, fe- I felt like we were probably on the side. <laughs> so I, I did. Probably work for, for the Air Force One. Say for the Air Force One and being with Oprah. <laughs> yes. And so, but that's just, that's just a tip that I have that posts. Um, like I, I don't add my location to my post because then, and I know on Instagram, you can put your location. Um, like I leave my location blank. Uh, it's a little tips like that. You can turn your, if someone gets your picture, they can also see where that location was at. So your iPhone records your location automatically unless you turn it off. So if you're sending out a photo, that photo, and those are things that your children are not going to usually know that when they're sending out pictures, that their location, even if they didn't actually put a location there, is still associated with that picture. And so you have to actually turn that picture off on your phone. The, the kids are our generation of oversharing. They want me to know what they have for breakfast, lunch, dinner. And, and I, I think that's like, what's that? kids, though. I, I, really, I think that's just the innocence of kids. They just, you know, they want friends. They want to be accepted. We are, as humans, we're just... Uh, we're designed to be in community. So I think that's just kids being kids. And so and I, so as parents, then we have to now come into and put our, our hats on and say, okay. Definitely. Well, as we, as we wrap up here, what, um, what are any last tidbits you have for our listeners? Um, you know, just remember that cyberbullying is definitely against the law, threatening your life or your child's life via cyberbullying. Uh, if by chance the school, if you're in a situation, I know the schools are closed right now, but the school still has some level of responsibility in regards to making sure that your kids are safe. If you're not happy about um, a circumstance or situation that your child, you believe your child experienced cyberbullying, make sure that you definitely go to the teachers. You can go to the administrators. It's appropriate. You can take this to the superintendent. Uh, of the district. You can also take it to uh, the Department of Education. So you have other avenues in other ways that just Department of Education, Office of Civil Rights, depending on the situation at hand. So there are so many support systems out there that will allow you to be empowered as a parent if you happen to sites out there. One of the websites that I found that was had a lot of really important information was stopbullying.gov. That website is called Stop bullying.gov. It talks about what you can do as a parent, bullying. It talks about what teachers can do, what communities can do, but it gives you a lot of good information. It also tells you where you can actually go if you experience cyberbullying. But but most of all, keep your kids safe. Don't protective gear. Some of them are going to need a little bit more gear than others. Some of them need a head helmet. Some of them need a bodysuit. Some of them need the whole the whole armor of God on before you let them on that where your child is at, what type of gear they need, and get the tools that is necessary to protect your child against cyberbullying. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a return guest, our first returning Yay. guest at that. 
Yes. Do you want to plug yourself? Do you have anything that you want to share yes, with absolutely. the mammologists out here? COVID quarantine, and I know parents, we're all up under a lot of stress. We may be experiencing the, the unusual times, but I definitely, if you are a parent or you are, you are what you can to support those that are in situations that are homeschooling, that have parents or kids in the house all the time, make sure that you're, you are not only social distancing yourself, but you are also keeping social and make sure that you do what you can to, to do self-care. Self-care is very important during this season of, of quarantine. Uh, and that means taking care of your mind feeding yourself with positive things, uh, such as either going to some positive reading, but you're going to have to keep your mind strong during these times. And remember, whatever is going on, this too shall pass. The sun is going to shine again, and we are going to get through this season of our lives. But stay sure you take care of those babies out there because they need us. But take care of yourself. That's the most important thing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's continue the conversation through our listener comments and questions on our Facebook group. Of course, you can also find us on our Facebook page, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or you can email us at mahoganymomology at gmail.com, mahoganymomology.com, where you can also take a listen to previous episodes and purchase merchandise. Until next time, I'm Tosh. I'm Mel. And we thank you for listening to Mahogany Momology.